all you have. You are now tuned in to Parker Swayze. So just sat back and ready to play. Let me take your thoughts far, far away. Now let's hear what Darth Vader has to say. We would be honored if you would join us. What's going on, my awesome Far, Far Away family? How's everyone doing today? We hope everything is going well. Nothing new and exciting to report from us. So how's everyone's holiday been going so far? Ours has been going pretty well. Okay, enough with all that. Let's get to what will always bring some joy to the world, and that's some Star Wars. Now, we usually start with some Mandalorian right here, you know, but the season is over, so we're going to get to some news and rumors. Well, you know, now I think about it, I guess it has to do a little bit with the Mandalorian, a little bit. At the end of the final episode of the Mandalorian, the announcement for the book of Boba Fett was released. This is the new Boba Fett series that will be on Disney+. Plus. But it had me puzzled because it wasn't announced with all the other new Star Wars stuff coming out. So last week, John was on Good Morning America, and he explained everything on that show. Now, I was going to try to explain it to everybody, but I said to myself, Self, why don't you let John explain it? He does it way better than I could ever do it. So here's what John had to say about the new Boba Fett series. I do. Well, we have, uh, at the end of the show, uh, Boba Fett came out and it said the book of Boba Fett coming Christmas, uh, excuse me, coming December of 2021. We wanted to hold this back because we don't want to spoil the surprise during the, the big Disney announcement of all the shows when Kathleen Kennedy was up there. And so they let me keep this one a secret. So this is actually separate from The Mandalorian season three. But what we didn't say in that announcement is that the next show coming up, Kathy said the next chapter, and that's going to be the book of Boba Fett. And then we go into production right after that on season three of The Mandalorian. Uh, you know, back with the main character that we all uh, have known and loved. Well, well, that's so that's going to be uh, pretty soon following that. Okay. So we're working on that pre-production now while we're in production on Boba Fett. Now, before we get to chapter 12 of this amazing book, we used to do a segment on the show where I would give an inspirational quote, and I don't know why we ever stopped doing it. I really enjoyed doing it, but we just stopped for some reason. But I kind of wanted to give some words of encouragement to everyone as we finish up 2020 and move on to 2021. Keep your heads up and remember that we have survived. Whenever you find yourself doubting how far you can go, just remember how far you have come. Remember everything that you have faced, all the battles you have won, and all the fears you have overcome. You are stronger than you think, and stronger than you know. Okay, okay, enough with all that, now let's get to the book. Because I think you will be surprised at where Bane is at now. So let's get to it. No! Kasim barked, disdainfully slapping Bane's training saber aside with his own weapon. Wrong! You're too slow on the first transition. You're leaving your left side wide open for a quick counter. The Blade Master was teaching him a new sequence. He'd been teaching it to him for more than a week. But for some reason, Bane couldn't seem to grasp the intricacies of the movements. His blade felt clumsy and awkward in his hand. He stepped back and resumed the ready position. Kasim studied him briefly, then dropped into a defensive stance in front of him. Bane took a deep breath to focus his mind before letting his body trigger the sequence once again. His muscles moved instinctively, exploding into action. There was a hiss as the downstroke of his blade carved through the air in the first move, a blur of motion, but far too slow. Kasim responded by slipping to the side and bringing his own double-bladed weapon around in a long, swift arc that struck Bane hard in the ribs. The breath whooshed out of him, and he felt the searing pain of the pelco barbs, followed by the all-too-familiar numbness spreading up through the left side of his torso. He staggered back helpless as Kasim watched silently. 
Bane struggled to stay upright and failed, collapsing awkwardly to the floor. The Blade Master shook his head in disappointment. Bane dragged himself to his feet, trying not to let his frustration show. It had been nearly three weeks since he'd beaten Fulharg in the ring, and since that time, he'd been training with Kasim in individual sessions to improve his lightsaber combat. But for some reason, he wasn't making any progress. Sorry, Master. I will go practice the drills again, he said through gritted teeth. Drills, the Twi'lek repeated, his voice cruel and mocking. What good will that do? Uh, I must learn the sequence better to become faster. Kasim spat on the ground. If you truly believe that, then you're a fool. Bane didn't know how to respond, so he kept silent. The Blade Master stepped forward and gave him a sharp cuff on his ear. It was meant not to hurt, but to humiliate. Fulharg was better trained than you, he snapped. He knew more sequences. He knew more forms. But they couldn't save him. The sequences are just tools. They help you free your mind so you can draw upon the Force. That is where you will find the key to victory. Not in the muscles of your arms or the quickness of your blade. You must call upon the dark side to destroy your enemies. Clenching his jaw from the burning pain, now spreading through the entire left side of his body, Bane could only nod. You're holding back, the master went on. You aren't using the force. Without it, your moves are slow and predictable. I'll try harder, master. Try! Kasim turned away in disgust. You've lost your will to fight. This lesson is over. Realizing he'd been dismissed, Bane slowly made his way to the stairs leading down from the temple roofs. As he reached them, Kasim called out one last piece of advice. Return when you are ready to embrace the dark side, instead of pulling away from it. So this chapter starts with Kasim and Bane training in saber combat. Bane has earned individual training with Kasim and the other masters. But over the last three weeks, Bane has regressed. Bane should have been getting better, but for some reason, he was not progressing. Kasim strikes Bane in the ribs hard with his training saber. As Bane collapses to the ground, he tells Kasim that he will go and practice the sequences. Kasim asks him what is practicing supposed to achieve. Bane tells him that it will make him faster and better. Kasim barks out that the drills are only the tools that will help him free his mind so he doesn't have to think about it and he can use the force. They are only sequences if they are not guided by the force. Kasim tells him that it is not his muscles or his quickness that will defeat his enemies, but it is the dark side that will destroy his opponents. Kasim continues to tell him that he had lost his will to fight. I think Bane is scared to use the force now. He knows what he can do with the force and now he is having doubts about it. Bane didn't turn to look back. The pain and numbness of his left side made that impossible. But as he hobbled down the stairs, Lord Kasim's words echoed in his ears with the ring of truth. This wasn't the first training session he had failed in, and his failures weren't limited to Kasim and the lightsaber. Bane had gained in both reputation and prestige when he defeated Foharg. Several of the masters had shown a sudden willingness to give him individual one-on-one training. Yet despite the extra attention, Bane's skills hadn't progressed at all. If anything, he'd actually taken several steps back. 
He made his way through the halls to his room, then lay down gingerly on his bed. There wasn't anything he could do while he was temporarily crippled by the Pelco venom except rest and meditate. It was obvious something was wrong, but he couldn't say exactly what. He no longer felt sharp. He no longer felt alive. When he had first become conscious of the force flowing through him, his senses had become hyper-aware. The world had seemed more vibrant and more real. Now, everything was muted and distant. He walked through the halls of the academy as if he was in some kind of trance. He wasn't sleeping well. He kept having nightmares. Sometimes he dreamed of his father on the night he died. Other times he dreamed of his fight with Fohark. Sometimes the dreams blended together, merging into one terrible vision. The McCurth beating him in the apartment on Apatros. His father lying dead in the dueling ring atop the temple on Korriban. And each time, Bane would wake, choking back a scream, shivering, even though his body was bathed in sweat. But it was more than just lack of sleep that left him in a dazed stupor. The passion that had driven him was gone. The raging fire inside him had vanished, replaced by a cold emptiness. And without his passion, he was unable to summon the power of the dark side. It was becoming harder and harder to command the force. The changes were subtle, barely noticeable at first. But over time, small changes built up. Now moving even small objects left him exhausted. He was slow and clumsy with the training saber. He could no longer anticipate what his opponents would do. He could only react after the fact. He couldn't deny it any longer. He was regressing. We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best sounding show on your playlist. And to express our appreciation, we will give you a shout out on our mid-series show that we do in the middle of every book. You will also be automatically entered in all future giveaways. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show. Apprentices he had surpassed long ago had caught up to him again. He could tell he was falling behind just by watching the other students during their studies, which meant they could probably tell too. He thought back on what the Twilic Master had told him. You've lost your will to fight. Kasim was right. Bane had felt it slipping away since his first dream of his father. Unfortunately, he had no idea how to reclaim the anger and competitive fire that had fueled his meteoric rise through the hierarchy of Sith apprentices. Return when you are ready to embrace the dark side, instead of pulling away from it. Something was holding him back. Some part of him recoiled from what he had become. He would meditate for hours each day, concentrating his mind in search of the swirling, pulsing fury of the dark side locked away within him. Yet, he searched in vain. A cold veil had fallen across the core of his being, and try as he might, he couldn't tear it aside to seize the power that lay beneath. And he was running out of time. So far, nobody had dared to challenge him in the dueling ring, not since Fohark's death. The McCurth's gruesome end still inspired enough fear in the other students for them to steer clear of him. But Bane knew they wouldn't keep their distance much longer. His confidence and abilities were waning, and his failures were becoming more public. 
Soon it would be as obvious to the other students as it was to him. In those first days after Fohag's death, his only true rival had been Sirak. Now every apprentice on Korriban was a potential threat. The hopelessness of the situation tore away at his guts. It made him want to scream and claw at the stone walls in impotent rage. Yet for all his frustrations, he was unable to summon the passion that fed the dark side. Soon, a challenger would step forward in the dueling ring, eager to take him down. And there was nothing he could do to stop that moment from coming. So Bane is having problems with his abilities to use the Force. Ever since he killed Forhog and he realized that he killed his father. He has all kinds of nightmares now and they switch between Forhog and his dad and his abilities to use the Force has diminished. The other students he had passed a long time ago have done caught back up to him and even passed him. And he knew that sooner or later that they would start to find out. They would notice that he is losing his abilities. After he beat Forhog, Sirak was the only equal that he had. Now most of the students were a threat and he didn't know what to do to get his power back. Lord Khan paced restlessly on the bridge of Nightfall as it orbited the industrial world of Brentall IV. The Sith fleet occupied the Bormea sector, the region of space where the Perlemian trade route and the Hydean Way intersected. The Brotherhood of Darkness now controlled two of the most important hyperspace lanes serving the core worlds. Republic resistance to the ever-advancing Sith fleet was crumbling. And yet, despite this most recent victory, Khan felt something wasn't right. If anything, their conquest of the Bormea sector had been too easy. The worlds of Korolag, Chandrala, and Brental had all fallen in rapid succession, their defenders offering only token resistance before retreating in the face of the invading horde. In fact, he had sensed only a handful of Jedi among the Republic forces opposing them. This was not the first time the Jedi had been virtually absent from key battles. During encounters at Bespin, Sullust, and Tanab, Khan had expected to be confronted by a fleet led by Jedi Master Hoth, the only Republic commander who seemed capable of winning victories against the Sith. But General Hoth, despite the reputation he had earned in the early stages of the war, was never there. At first, Khan suspected it was a trap, some elaborate scheme arranged by the wily Hoth to ensnare and destroy his sworn enemy. But if it was a trap, it had never been sprung. The Sith were pressing in from all sides. They were almost sitting on the doorstep of Coruscant itself. And the Jedi had all but vanished, seemingly having deserted the Republic in its time of greatest need. He should have been ecstatic. Without the Jedi, the war was as good as over. The Republic would fall in a matter of months and the Sith would rule. But where had the Jedi gone? Khan didn't like it. The strange message Kopesh had sent just a few hours earlier had only added to his unease. The Twi'lek was coming to meet Nightfall with urgent news about Rusan. News he wouldn't transmit across regular channels. News so important, he felt he had to deliver it in person. So here we go again, another chapter where they just jump from one thing to the next. But this part starts off with Khan pacing on the bridge of the ship. He was contemplating how easy it was for him to conquer this system. He starts to think that there was something missing. Then Khan came to the realization that there were only a few Jedis. Maybe it was a trap set by the general to ensnare their Sith fleet, but nothing ever came. He thinks to himself, where are all the Jedi? 
He had received a message from Copaz a few hours earlier that Copaz was bringing him a message, bringing him a message that couldn't be sent. What could be so important that Copaz needed to deliver to him in person? I will tell you what it is. It's bad news. Whenever someone says, I will tell you when I see you, it is a 90% chance it is some bad news. An interceptor has just docked in Nightfall's landing bay, Lord Khan. One of the bridge crew reported. Despite his anxiousness to hear Kopesh's news, Lord Khan resisted the urge to go down to the landing bay to meet him. He felt something had gone very, very wrong, and it was important to maintain an appearance of calm assurance before his troops. Yet patience was not a virtue many of the Sith Lords possessed, and he couldn't keep himself from pacing as he waited for the Twi'lek to make his way to the bridge and deliver his ominous report. After what seemed like hours, but was no more than a few minutes, Kopej finally arrived. His expression did nothing to alleviate Khan's growing apprehension as he crossed the bridge and gave a perfunctory bow. I must speak with you in private, Lord Khan. You may speak here, Khan assured him. What we say will not leave this ship. The bridge crew of Nightfall had been hand-picked by Khan himself. All had sworn an oath to serve with absolute loyalty. They knew the harsh consequences should they break that oath. Kopesh glanced suspiciously around the bridge, but the crew were all focused on their stations. None of them seemed even to notice him. We've lost Rusan, he said, whispering despite Khan's assurances. The base set up on the surface. The orbiting fleet... All of it wiped out. For a moment, Khan didn't speak. When he did, his voice had dropped to the same level as Kopesh's. How did this happen? We have spies throughout the Republic military. All their fleets have fallen back to the core. All of them. They couldn't possibly have mustered enough strength to take back Rusan. Not without us knowing. It wasn't the Republic, Kopesh replied. It was the Jedi. Hundreds of them. Thousands. Jedi Masters, Jedi Knights, Jedi Padawans, an entire army of Jedi. Corpege cursed loudly. None of the crew so much as glanced in his direction. A testament to their training and their fear of their commander. Lord Hoth realized that the strength of the Jedi Order was spread too thin trying to defend the Republic. Corpege continued. He's gathered them all into a single host with only one goal. Destroy the users of the dark side. They don't care about our soldiers and fleets anymore. All they want to do is wipe us out. The apprentices, the acolytes, the Sith masters, and especially the Dark Lords. Lord Hoth himself is leading them. The Twi'lek added, though Khan had already guessed this for himself. They call themselves the Army of Light. Okay, Kopech finally arrives at Khan's ship with the news. Khan is waiting on the bridge like a kid waiting to open Christmas presents. The Sith are not known for their patience, but he has to keep his appearance up for his troops. I would have loved to see this. You know how funny it would have been? The Sith Lord, the leader of the Brotherhood of Darkness, pacing back and forth looking nervous as hell, waiting to find out what another Sith Lord had to tell him. I could imagine what this looked like, and it was funny. But Kopech finally got to the bridge to tell Khan what was going on. Kopech tells Khan that he needs to speak to him in private. Khan tells him that he can speak on the bridge. His people are loyal. 
This is where Copez tells him that the planet of Rusan had been won back by the Republic. When Khan tries to figure out how, Copez tells him that it was an army of Jedi that won it back. They have all came together with one goal, wipe out the users of the dark side, and they call themselves the Army of Light. Copez paused to let the news sink in. Khan took several deep breaths, silently reciting the code of the Sith to bring his whirling thoughts back into focus. And then he laughed. <laughs> An army of light to oppose the Brotherhood of Darkness. Corpesh stared at him with a bewildered expression. Hoth knows the Jedi aren't capable of defeating our vast armies, Khan explained. Not anymore. The Republic is doomed. So now he concentrates exclusively on us, the leaders of those armies. Cut off the head and the body will die. We should send our fleet to Rusan, Kopej suggested. All of them. Crush the Jedi in one fell swoop and wipe them from the galaxy forever. Khan shook his head. That's exactly what Hoth wants us to do. Divert our armies from the Republic, draw them away from Coruscant, give up all the ground we have gained in a foolish and pointless attack on the Jedi. Pointless? You say he has an army of Jedi, thousands of them. What chance does a fleet of mere soldiers have against such an enemy? Ships and weapons are no match for the power of the Force. Hoth knows this. Finally, Kopesh nodded in understanding. You always said this war would not be decided by military might. Precisely. In the end, the Republic is merely an afterthought. Only through the complete annihilation of the Jedi Order can we achieve true victory. And Hoth has been kind enough to gather them all in one place for us. But the Brotherhood is no match for the massed strength of the entire Jedi Order. Corpesh protested. There are too many of them and not enough of us. Our numbers are greater than you think, Khan said. We have academies scattered throughout the galaxy. We can swell our numbers with marauders from Honagar and Gentis. We can gather all the assassins trained at Umbara. We will command the students at Dathomir, Iridonia, and all the rest of the academies to join the ranks of the Brotherhood of Darkness. We will assemble our own army of Sith, one capable of destroying Hoth and his army of light. And what of the Academy on Koriban? Kopesh asked. They will join the Brotherhood, but only after they have completed their training under Cortis. We could use them against the Jedi, Kopesh pressed. Koriban is home to the strongest of our apprentices. That is precisely why it is too dangerous to bring them into this conflict, Khan explained. With strength come ambition and rivalry. In the heat of battle, their emotions will take over their minds. They will turn against each other. They will divide our ranks with infighting while the Jedi remain united. He paused. It has happened to the Sith too many times in the past. I will not allow it to happen again. They will stay with Cordis and complete their training. He will teach them discipline and loyalty to the Brotherhood. Only then will they join us on the field of battle. Is that what you believe? 
Kopesh asked. Or oh, what Cordis has been telling you. Don't let your mistrust of Cordis blind you to what we are trying to accomplish, Khan chided. His pupils are the future of the Brotherhood, the future of the Sith. I will not expose them to this war until they are ready. His tone clearly brooked no further argument. The apprentices at Korriban will join the Brotherhood in due time. But that time is not now. Well, it better be soon, Kopesh muttered, only partially mollified. I don't think we can beat Hoth without them. Khan reached out and grasped the Twilix's meaty shoulder in a firm grip. Never fear, my friend, he said with a smile. The Jedi will be no match for us. We will slaughter them at Rusan and wipe them from the face of the galaxy. The apprentices may be the future of the Brotherhood, but the present belongs to us. Much to Khan's relief, Kopesh returned his smile. The leader of the Brotherhood would have been less pleased if he had known that much of the Twilight's satisfaction came from the knowledge that Cordis would miss out on the glory of the coming victory. Now this is how you know that Khan is bad stuff crazy. After Kopesh tells him what had happened, he starts to laugh. He says so there's an army of light to oppose the Brotherhood of Darkness. Kopesh gives him a look as this dude has lost it. Kopesh has a great idea though. He says send the entire Sith fleet to Wusan to wipe out all the Jedi at one time, once and for all. To me this is a good idea. If all the Jedi are on this planet, they could just bomb the planet from space killing every living thing on the surface. Khan tells Kopesh that that is what General Hoth wants. For them to try to wipe out the Jedi and give up all the systems that they have already gained. Their army cannot battle against the force, they will lose. This is a job for Sith. Kopeh says they don't have enough Sith warriors to defeat the Jedi. Khan tells them that they do. If they get all the Sith from the academies, they will have the numbers to defeat the Jedi. Then Kopeh realizes that Khan had left out one of the academies, the academy on Korriban. When he asks Khan about it, Khan tells him that the students on Korriban are too powerful. They will start turning on each other and the Sith would fall right into the same path that they had in the past, fighting with each other instead of fighting against the Jedi. He would not call them into this battle until they had finished their training. Then he had to reassure Kopesh, telling him not to fear they would win the battle in the long run. Kopesh's only joy in this whole decision was that Cordis would miss out on their victory. Lord Kasim entered the opulently decorated chamber and gave a nod in the direction of his fellow master. You wanted to see me. Nose from the front, Cordis said, rising slowly from his meditation mat. The Jedi have massed together under a single banner on Rusan. General Hoth is leading them. Lord Khan has gathered his own army. Even now, they are headed there to engage the Jedi. Are we going to join them? Kasim asked, his voice eager, his laku twitching at the thought of pitting his skills against the greatest warriors of the Jedi Order. Cordis shook his head. Not us. None of the masters. And none of the students, unless you feel one of the apprentices is ready. No, Kasim replied after a moment's consideration. Sidak, perhaps. He is strong enough, but his pride is too great, and he still has much to learn. What about Bane? He showed great promise in disposing of Fohark. Kasim shrugged. That was a month ago. Since then, he has made almost no progress. 
Something is holding him back. Fear, I think. Fear? Of the other students? Of Sirak? No, nothing like that. He's finally seen what he is truly capable of. He's seen the full power of the dark side. I think he's afraid to face it. Then he is of no further use to us, Corda stated flatly. Focus on the other students. Don't waste your time on him. The Blade Master was momentarily taken aback. He was surprised that Cordis would be so quick to give up on a student with such undeniable potential. I think he just needs more time, he suggested. Most of our apprentices have been studying the ways of the Sith for many years, ever since they were children. Bane didn't begin his training with us until he was a full-grown adult. I'm well aware of the circumstances surrounding his arrival at this academy, Cordis snapped, and Kasim suddenly realized what was really going on. Bane had been brought to Korriban by Lord Corpège, and there was precious little love lost between Corpège and the leader of the Academy. Bane's failure would ultimately become a poor reflection on Cordis's most bitter rival. The next time Bane approaches you, turn him away, the Dark Lord told him, his tone leaving no doubt that his words were a command and not a request. Make sure all the Masters understand that he is no longer worthy of our teachings. Kasim nodded his understanding. He would do as ordered. It wasn't fair to Bane, of course, but nobody ever claimed the Sith were fair. Then it flips back to the Academy on Corbin. Kasim was going to see Cortis. Cortis was going to tell him what was going on with the war and about the Jedi's all joining together. Kasim asked if they were going to join the Sith army. Cortis tells him no. Then Kasim tells him that Bane had lost his will to fight. Cortis was happy to hear of Bane's failure. He tells Kasim that none of the masters should waste any more time on Bane. Don't teach him anything else. Kasim tells Cortis that Bane just needs more time. Cortis blows it off and says to make sure that the other masters know. Kasim realizes that the only reason that Cortis wants Bane to fail is because Copaz brought Bane to the academy in the first place. Copaz and Cortis were bitter rivals, so Bane will lose out because of their rivalry. And that's where this chapter comes to an end. Tune in to chapter 13 to find out what happens next. Thank you for listening to Sway. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can find us and subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening and may the force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shit and is a production of Pick Film Media. This show was produced by Quentin McDaniel. Sound designed by Theodore Thompson. Research by Tammy Turner. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.